Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. I'm glad to be back in the pulpit. Uh, Melissa and I took a few days vacation this week. I'm especially grateful for the preaching ministry of Joshua Scott and the wonderful proclamation of the good news he offered in my absence last week. But glad to be here to be a part of the Thanksgiving service and sermon. And we give our attention today to the book of Ephesians. I'm reading from chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened... You may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. You know that after Melissa and I first married, we moved to Wake Forest, North Carolina for me to attend seminary there for three years. But one of those uh, weeks in that three-year time, we were back in Atlanta for the weekend and decided to go to the Stone Mountain Laser Show one night. It was a summer evening, clear. Melissa and I had our picnic basket and our uh, blanket. We had two towels rolled up uh, that we used under our head for pillows, and we got ready to watch. And the the lasers came dancing across the granite, and uh, we heard Georgia on my mind and all of that stuff. Somewhere in the middle of that, though, Melissa handed me uh, her glasses and asked me to uh, use my shirt tail to wipe them off. So I wiped off her glasses on my shirt tail, and before I handed them back to her, I held them up to make sure uh, I'd gotten all the smudges off. And when I did, all of the lasers on the granite mountain went into sharp focus. Until that time, I had no idea that I needed glasses. (laughs) It was the next week that I went uh, for glasses, 
uh, and now uh, I wear contacts. But ironically, today I have one contact out because this eye is driving me crazy. So if it's red and I start crying, it's not because I'm sad about the sermon. This is just driving me crazy today. Anyway, I thought I could see just fine before that night at Stone Mountain. But when I got my glasses, I found out that I had been settling for an inferior way of seeing the world. Well, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus insists that there is a better way to see than than what we have settled for. You may think you see just fine, but there is a better, clearer way that Paul introduces in today's passage. This, This vision correction happens, he says, when the eyes of your heart are enlightened. Ephesians is a general letter. That is, it's it's not dealing like with church uh, particulars like when Paul uh, wrote the church at Corinth and fussed at them because the church was acting like a middle school food fight. This is a general letter. It's written to all of the churches, the larger church, which means I suppose it was meant for us as well. If I rehearse what it would look like to have our eyes enlightened, and if I did that in the form of a list, it would completely miss the point. Here's what it sounds like in list form when the eyes of your heart are enlightened. You will know the hope to which he has called you, You will know the riches of his glorious inheritance. You will know the immeasurable greatness of his power, and so on. But this is not a list. It's a run-on sentence that sounds like a six-year-old talking about his first trip to Disney World. There are hardly any periods, just spaces where you can catch your breath so you can get on telling all the excitement. It's just one run-on sentence after another. Well, I, I digress from the sermon just a minute to ask, did, are any of you old enough to remember having to diagram sentences in English class? I, I don't know what any of that was about, but I had Mrs. Cole for high school English, and I had to take my turn at the whiteboard diagramming sentences with that inhuman task of identifying all the parts of speech and the little lines and the charts and the... I, Imagine if you had to diagram one of the sentences of Paul. I mean, if you had to go to the board and diagram our whole scripture today, by the way, the whole scripture that I read earlier was nine verses long, but it's only four sentences because Paul hardly takes a breath. That's why this passage doesn't work as a list, because Paul's face lights up. He can hardly talk fast enough because of the excitement about this new way of seeing. And it comes across like a kid telling his most exciting adventure. Listen again while I do just one sentence from our reading. This is one sentence. 
I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of this power for us who believe according to the working of this great power. That's one sentence. Mrs. Cole, diagram that, please. As as I said, this is written to the church. It's not written to an individual. It makes me wonder if the church might be in need of glasses, some corrective vision so that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened. What if we spoke of our faith in breathless run-on sentences? Would the church be a healthier place today if professing Christians talked about their faith like Paul does here with a panting enthusiasm? By the way, the etymology of the word enthusiasm, Latin in theos, inspired of God, But when in theos diminishes, most mornings I pass a church on Piedmont, graveyard beside. Well, I say I pass a church on Piedmont. The truth is there used to be a church there, and for many years there was a church there. But waning in theos, I suppose... I had lunch about three weeks ago with a buckhead guy. His line will tell you he was a buckhead guy. Tell me if this isn't the, ass- the assessment of, of your prototypical buckhead guy. He said to me, I don't know much about local churches, but from what I can tell from the outside, I wouldn't buy the stock. Really? Did you hear Paul? What the church offers is a message of hope that the world is most desperate to hear. And especially now, I'll buy all this guy's shares. We are stewards of a story that has reshaped the world. We have the story of life. (coughs) But maybe we have, maybe we have lost the passion that Paul has to talk about it breathlessly. Maybe our eyes have become dimmed too. And Paul is calling for us to see the world with eyeglasses that sharpen what is true and bring focus to what matters most. Calling us to capture his enthusiasm for the liberation of the gospel promise, the message of Jesus Christ is the promise that heals our national divisions, reconciles our racial strife, faces the hope of, faces death with the hope of eternal peace, and faces life with the promise of purpose. We are stewards of the story of hope. Does our world need this or not? Well, when you think that most of our neighbors wake each morning with blurry vision and no hope, 
No hope bigger than a bonus check. No purpose beyond a smaller dress size. And the only abundance they know is bundled up in a 401k, giving off a hope that one day in retirement they can go to Cozumel. Paul is breathless to tell us there is another way. A way of seeing and living that gives texture and meaning and purpose and direction to all of this. Correct your vision. Get new glasses. When the eyes of your heart are enlightened, you will see clearly the size of your inheritance and you'll talk about it without taking a breath. (laughs) By the way, it, it, it might not sound like it so far, but This is my Thanksgiving sermon. I I know I haven't mentioned anything yet about green bean casseroles or the Detroit Lions or anything, but this has everything to do with Thanksgiving. The 2020 vision correction that is needed is found at the Thanksgiving table. By the way, do you like the way I used 2020 there? Just hope you didn't, didn't miss that. Anyway, eyes that are enlightened are eyes that see the world through gratitude. When your eyes are enlightened, they see the fullness of what is, not the want of what is not. Albert Einstein, of all people, said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is though nothing is a miracle. The other as though everything is is a miracle. If we're down on our hands and knees looking for the miracles, looking under the cushions and behind the dresser, looking everywhere for the gifts of God's goodness, then we will notice that abundance is all around. God's blessings are all around. We just need a different way of seeing When your eyes are enlightened, says Paul, you will know the hope to which he has called you. What church doesn't want a clear vision of purpose to march toward the goal of what's clearly ordained as God's good purpose? With new eyes, we can step off the rodent wheel and drive down the center lane toward God's clear hope. In a new way of seeing, God will make clear the hope of our calling. But Paul also says that when the eyes of our heart are enlightened, we will know the riches of his glorious inheritance. You see, if you see with gratitude, then you will see abundance where other people see lack. You see, this Thursday, some people will focus on what isn't. We can't travel. Cindy and the kids couldn't make it. Zoom lunch with the grandkids just isn't the same. But others will focus on the wonder that allows us to visit over a screen, the miracle of technology, the family who did travel to be here. When when the eyes of your heart are enlightened, you'll notice the riches of God's glorious inheritance and locate your focus on what is. Air and sky, dressing and gravy, breath and wonder, life and life eternal, 
we are heirs to the king. If we see with gratitude, then the full inheritance is ours. And one of the great gifts of an inheritance is that the fear of not having enough goes away. If we see with these eyes, Paul says, you will know the immeasurable greatness of his power. Does the church feel small in an increasingly pagan surrounding? Do you feel inferior to your health challenge? Do do you think the relational repair is impossible? Do you shrink in the face of your finances or addictions or inadequacies? Does the early morning darkness bring on irrational fears? Paul says, when the eyes of your heart are enlightened, you will know the immeasurable greatness of his power. With new lenses of gratitude, you will see the source of that power that your life has been missing all along. And and you can put your tape measure away because Paul says it is immeasurable. You can't even point that far. Yeah, I'll buy that guy's stock. Twenty twenty has been a year that's mostly been focused on what is missing, what is lacking in our lives. We still don't have a vaccine. We still don't have schools and businesses back to normal. We're still not able to gather in here for church services. We still have street violence marking our differences. Some of you are not gathering for Thanksgiving this year. Some of you are gathering for Thanksgiving and wish you weren't. 2020 has certainly been the year of what isn't. But there is another way of seeing. If you focus on the grace and goodness that surrounds you every day, then you will start talking about the life of faith with enthusiasm, with breathless run-on sentences, because there is just too much. There is more of God's abundance lying around on the floor than we ever thought there was. And what the church needs, what the church needs so desperately right now is a raging revival of people who see the size of their inheritance and talk about it like a six-year-old who just got back from Disney. We need enthusiasts inspired of God. And my prayer for you this Thanksgiving is that you will have the grace to see clearly, to see clearly all of the abundance that is around and give thanks. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.